0: Hey, welcome back to Horror Origins, the podcast that investigates the firsts in horror literature. My name is Matthew Tancic, and for the next 10 minutes or so, we're going to be taking a look at the first story to ever fire silver bullets at the dreaded werewolf. We're going to take a look first at the folklore uh, surrounding the silver bullet, the author that penned it. Then we're going to take a look at the story itself and the legacy it's had since its first publication. Stick with me. I think this is going to be a fun episode. All right, so let's begin with werewolves. Well, werewolves have been stalking around in people's minds for a long time. Looking back at recorded history, we can point to a big uptick in werewolf concerns in the 15th and 16th century, focused particularly in areas of France um, and German-speaking countries in Europe. Many accounts with uh, witch-hunt-like trials are documented, and the accusation of lycanthropy was not one to be taken lightly if you were a European peasant living at that time. But we're going to be taking a look at something a bit more specific than werewolvery in general. We're investigating the silver bullet. And this weapon against the supernatural has a very interesting history of becoming popularized in people's minds. And it comes from a set of real-life events that took place in 16th century France, and a legend that was born out of those events called the Beast of Javudan. Now, this supposed beast terrorized those poor people in Gévaudan from 1764 to 1767, and is credited with somewhere between 60 and 133 deaths of men, women, and children. And people got so scared, and this was so uh, problematic in the area, that even the king of France at that time, Louis XV, offered a hefty reward to anyone that could slay the creature and put an end to the bloodshed. Now, to get this reward, many people tried, and reports of death and attacks continued until finally a local hunter, a man named Jean Castel, shot it dead um, during a hunt orchestrated by a local nobleman. Afterward, Castel introduced the idea that the projectile he used to slay the beast was made of silver, and that gave further credit to the idea that the animal that he killed was indeed a supernatural creature. Now, the Beast of Jevoudan is a fantastic legend, made all the better for all the documented things you can still read about today, but still, a localized French legend took a while to reach the minds of horror authors and become well known enough to enter the mainstream culture and popular fiction. Now, early examples of werewolves or wolf charmers in fiction began bubbling up in the 1800s. Hughes' The Werewolf by Sutherland Menzies in 1838, or Wagner the Werewolf in 1847, are some good early examples, but you don't get the actual silver bullet rocketing out of the barrel of a gun until Manure de Loups* or The Wolf Leader, by the prolific and widely read Alexander Dumas in 1857. And even then, if you're an English speaker, you wouldn't likely be able to lay eyes on this story for 74 more years when it was eventually translated and serialized in the Weird Tales magazine in 1931. Now, there's a lot that can be said about Mr. Dumas, one of the most widely read French authors, and someone that has found success in many types of fiction across the board. He got started writing in plays, but is perhaps most widely known for his novels The Count of Monte Cristo, Three Musketeers, and Twenty Years After. But let's get to the story and let us let me read a small portion of the story to get you an idea of what this story is like and the first mention of the silver bullet. "'Well, do you understand?' The keepers looked at each other in astonishment. "'Do you understand now?' repeated Moké. "'The thing's impossible!' exclaimed the keepers. "'Nevertheless, it is so, and I will prove it to you.' And so saying, Moké plunged his hand into the snow, felt about for a moment or two, and then, with a cry of triumph, pulled out a flattened bullet. Why, that's my bullet, I said. You recognize it, then? Of course I do. You marked it for me. And what mark did I put on it? A cross. You see, sirs, said Moquet. Yes, but explain how this happened. This is it. He could turn aside the ordinary bullets, but he had no power over the youngsters, which was marked with a cross. It hit him in the shoulder. I saw him make a movement as if to try to bite himself. But, I broke in, astonished at the silence and amazement which had fallen on the keepers, if my bullet hit him in the shoulder, why did it not kill him? Because it was made neither of gold nor of silver, my dear boy, and because no bullets but those that are made of gold or silver can pierce the skin of the devil or kill those who have made a compact with him. Now, this story is supposedly based on an old French story That Dumas had heard when he was a child. And it certainly has that legendary kind of quality to it. A straightforward and predictable story arc. The story takes place in the late 1700s in Dumas's native town of Villers. Sorry, my French is going to be terrible here. Villers Cotterets. And revolves around the main character of Thibault. Thibault is a cobbler and of a lowly position in the town things are going okay for him until he is accused of interfering with the local lord's hunting and is beaten for it. Shortly afterwards, while he's on his way home after the incident, he encounters a werewolf, and the monster offers him a deal for vengeance. He may bring harm to any person he wishes, but in return, he must give up one of the hairs on his head. Tybalt thinks this is a great idea. And to complete the pact, Tybalt and the creature exchange rings. And as an added bonus, the ring that the monster grants Tybalt uh, gives him power to command wolves in the area. It's an interesting side effect uh, of what is essentially a deal with the devil. The payment of his own hairs on his head. Um, And as he uses the power, as the story progresses, the hairs begin to mark him as someone who's made such a bargain and the power corrupts him. He loses the compassion he once had for those of his lower social class, and he begins along a path of bloodshed to those that have wronged him, and he even goes so far as to use his power to trade bodies with another lord nearby and attempt to sleep with the Countess de Montgobert. When he's forced to finally switch back to his own body, however, he finds that the village has turned against him. He's been ostracized because of his markings of his red hair, and they've come after him pitchforks and torches style. And they've even set his home on fire while his own body lay inside it. The story is a unique one uh, in that it, it ends on a strange note of redemption as Tybalt, in his flight from the villagers, comes across a funerary procession in the cemetery on the edge of town. He finds a place to hide and observes that the procession is carrying a young woman, but not just any woman. it's Anielette, the woman for whom he has been pining for throughout the whole story, and a woman that has he has been propped up in his mind and has and routinely reminds him of his humanity and of his past self. She really is the link back to his life before the deal was struck. And now that she's dead, the loss of her drives him to the darkest parts of his being. He feels responsible. Had he not begun on the evil road and made a deal with the werewolf at the beginning of the story, she might not have ended up dead at this point. He cries out for God to take his life so that she might live again. His cries attract attention, and when men storm his hidden spot in the cemetery, all they find is a wolf skin, his body is gone, and Tybalt is never seen again. The wolf leader uh, at the time the story was released was met with mixed reviews with some criticizing Dumas as being too derivative of other similar fantastical stories and some lauding it as having true literary value. But the true testament to the legacy of the silver bullet is how so ingrained it is in people's minds today. The silver bullet and werewolves go hand in hand and even in just colloquially through our language, has become sort of a symbol of the cure-all solution to any malignant supernatural force or, or any bad thing that's coming against you. So there you have it, the origins of the silver bullet as we know it today. From its grisly past in the poor European countryside to the common trope we see in so many types of supernatural fiction nowadays. It comes as no surprise that such a concept resonated with people. Silver was, since the ancient Greeks associated with lunar deities and one that has a long, legendary history of offering protection and luck. Artemis herself hunted with silver-tipped lances and arrows, so what better weapon to use to combat a werewolf? Hopefully, you all will now have a better appreciation for this staple in supernatural defense. If you enjoy this podcast and learning about the strange works of fiction that have brought us to where we are today, I implore you to take a moment and write a review for the show. It'll help more people find out about it, and the more people we can get interested in this stuff, the better. Hey, and if you appreciate podcasts that are advertisement-free, like this one, and want to say thanks, feel free to email me at author at com, or click on the contact button on com. If you want to stay up to speed on anything with this show or any other of my creative projects that I work on, uh, feel free to follow me. I'm on Twitter at Tans444. That's T-A-N-Z-444. Likewise, if you have uh, a recommendation for the show or have something that you want to share with me, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for joining